Hello and welcome to another episode of I Could Never Be Here on Popcorn Talk Network. Guys, thank you so much for taking the time to join us, to be able to learn, to be able to better yourself. It's a new week and that means a new chance to make an impact in the world around you and the people around you and an impact on your own life by following your dreams and most importantly, putting in the work to make them happen. Guys, I'm a huge sports fan. So the past week has been amazing. March Madness, college basketball games every single day, every single night. It's been awesome. One of the best parts of this year, the craziest parts, is that it's been a year of upsets. I mean, number one and number two and number three seeds losing left and right. The biggest team, the number one team in the entire tournament, number one overall seed Virginia, coming into this tournament, number one seeds first round, 135 and 0. They'd never lost. Until University of Baltimore, University of Maryland, Baltimore County came in and said, you know what, we're going to fix that. They could have came in and been like, you know what, we made the tournament, that's a success, we're going up against this number one seed. No, they came in, they had an agenda, they set their goals, they worked hard, and they beat Virginia by 20 points, spanked them, wiped the floor with them. Truly an underdog story, and it's truly an inspiration that no matter how big of an obstacle you're facing, you can accomplish that. And speaking of an underdog, we're talking with one today. He's one of the stars of the hit show Impractical Jokers. Everybody loves this show. Huge fan myself. I watch it all the time. But you guys, that show almost didn't happen. Literally, it took years of hard work while these guys were working regular jobs to be able to put this show on TV. Obviously, it's a huge success now, and the success is just continuing so many different projects, a book coming out. Please welcome James Murray. James, how you doing? What's up, bud? How are you? I'm doing great. You know, your undergrad is from Georgetown. They also didn't make the tournament. My Badgers from Wisconsin didn't make it. So what's going on? What do you do? It happens. It happens. I mean, these are powerhouse schools that are not making the tournament. But you know what? I think you're I think you're busy enough with everything else that you got going on. Season seven of Practical Jokers right now. Season eight just got picked up. You're talking about a movie. You got a book coming out. That book you're trying to get picked up and is going to be put out on TV. I'm, I yeah. appreciate you taking the p- busy time out of your schedule to talk to me today. Of course. By the way. You sold yourself short, my friend. Now, I haven't seen you in person. I can't see you on my iPad, but I can see you on my laptop. You're a handsome. You're a handsome <laughs> son of me. Ah, and you got you have a much better head of hair than I do, admittedly. Hey, well, I, I've looked at the old pictures. We're going to show some here of your head of hair back when you were in high school. That was a good head of hair. Oh, oh yes. Is, is, it, is it uncomfortable yeah. to talk about? Should I, I not have brought it up? Of hair it. <laughs> is it cr- want to see something funny? Let's Did see you it. see the challenge show where they uh, they shaved off my eyebrows and they made me get a new driver's license? No, I missed this. One. I saw so the- in, in a punishment for the show. I lost the episode. The guy shaved off my eyebrows and shaved all my hair and made me go to the DMV and get a new driver's license photo with no eyebrows. And my my admittedly my driver's license photo has, is out of date because I have a full mane of hair. But this is my <laughs> old license and my new license. Oh my goodness. Now you I look like I have all the diseases. You every every transmitted disease of some kind. For a guy who does a lot of hair, they kind of shave the remaining hair. You had like a thing where they shaved your chest hair. They did one where you like had the top of your hair that they shaved into a uh, like a little patch. Uh, my my body has been used against me in every season of this show. <laughs> is it crazy to think of just what has become of the show? Obviously, seven seasons later, and you got an eighth season, yeah. and just the movie. Is it crazy to sit back and say, wow? Well, I'll tell you, today, we've been working on the movie. We The movie only got announced two weeks ago, yeah. but we stopped down the TV show about a month ago to work on the movie. We start shooting the movie April 29th, 
And uh, I was sitting in the office today. The guys and I are coming up with all the ideas for the movie, all the hidden camera challenges we're going to do and pranks we're going to play each other. And there's all sorts of secret planning going on in the movie. Like they'll say, Mark, get out of the room. And I leave and I hear them whispering and planning stuff. And I, I looked around today. I was like, man, we have been waiting for this day for years. We've been hoping to make a Joker's movie for so long, literally four years in the making. And wow. uh, with so many ups and downs, so many, we, we got to the point, oh, oh, two years ago, we almost got the movie made, almost got a greenlit, and it all fell apart. A, a year, up until a year ago, it almost fell apart again. So this is like the, it's been so many years in the making, so much passion and work put into it, and that it's finally happening now, is, uh, I looked around today, I was like, man, I can't believe we're getting the opportunity to do this finally. It really is a special, special moment. It is sure. amazing. And obviously fans literally across the country are just, they adore this show. They adore you. I mean, you put out that tweet for the show, I think, like 10 minutes ago. It already has like a hundred and something retweets and reply. I mean, right. it is incredible. Yeah, it, 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 we, we are very fortunate. We, we realize that the only reason all these good things are happening to us is because of our fans and how amazing they are. It blows me away, to be honest with you. We, we, we tell this story on stage uh, sometimes, but 10, 12 years ago, we did a show in Manhattan. This is a true story. We, it was a place, I don't even know the places around anymore. It was a little theater, a 50-person black box called Rose's Turn. We rented the theater out. It cost us $65 to rent the theater. <laughs> we rented it for the night. We put up a show. Two people bought tickets to see us perform, <laughs> and the tickets were $5 each. So we lost $55 in a night. We split it four ways for the loss, you know? And then, like, 10 years later, to sell, we sold out Madison Square Garden. And it doesn't escape us how amazing that is. And, I, and we realize that the only reason all of this is happening is because of our fans. And I, 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 I can't believe it. I can't believe it. it it's, it's really is a dream. It literally is our dream come true. And it really is just people seeing you guys for who you are. I mean, that is why, why I think so many people love the show is it's, it's you guys a hundred percent. It's what you guys have always been. You didn't change for the show. You're not, you know, coming up with these major scripts to just Josh on each other. No, it's literally you guys who are best friends making fun of each other every single episode. <laughs> Yeah, that, that was, I think that's the special ingredient. That's what kind of cracked the code, if you will. We, uh, Jokers is our third TV show. Uh, we uh, sold an improv comedy show to A&E years ago, shot a pilot, didn't go to series. Mm -hmm. sold, uh, guys and I sold a sketch comedy show to Spike TV about us, shot the pilot, didn't go to series. And each of those times, it wasn't the right, we couldn't find the right format for what was real to us, what was organic to us, what was... Uh, special about the four of us together which is that we're best friends we've always been best friends for our literally they're my 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 childhood friends i grew up with them i met them when i was 12 years old you know and uh and that's the secret that it's that the we are if the cameras weren't around we would still be doing these things and i, I think that that that's what people relate to. They, they feel like we remind them of their best friends, of things they used to do when they were younger, uh, of the best friends that they all the pretense goes away and they're just themselves with. Uh, and I think that that really was is what resonates with people. So it took us a long, long time to find the hook, to really find the, the, the special sauce, if you will, of what, of what makes Jokers unique. Absolutely. How do you guys – Embrace the challenge of coming up with things that are new. Seven season in, I mean, so many episodes, yeah. over a hundred episodes, and you got a movie. How do you embrace that challenge of keeping it new, keeping it entertaining? We we made a pact in season one uh, that if the show ever felt like it wasn't progressing the format, if we ever felt like we weren't creating good content and it was becoming stale, 
we would quit the show. We'd end the show immediately. And and that's the challenge. I, I mean, the four of us push really, really hard on that. Like even the movie, the creative for the movie now, I feel like we're pushing the edge of the format of the show. Like every season, the format grows and changes and moves into new directions. Like I was a big proponent two seasons ago of pushing the show into our real lives. So like, so we did this punishment where we were punishing Sal. Uh, he had no idea it was a, a year long punishment. Yes, I uh, love he, this one. In real life, Sal, uh, you know, on the TV show, he climbed up onto a statue uh, uh, in front of a museum here in Manhattan and he grabbed the statue's nose. In real life, that's illegal. We got yeah. sent a letter by the Department of Homeland Security, truly, saying you cannot do that. Ex- please explain what happened here. And, uh, and it got, he doesn't know that it got dismissed. We you know, had to send a letter back. We sent the footage of the TV show, explained it was in, in the moment. There's no harm done. Uh, and they dismissed the case. We did not tell him that. We kept it going and going and going for a year. Eventually, it led up to him getting called to testify in a deposition <laughs> before the Department of Homeland Security. It was all BS, you know what I mean? And I love that. It pushed the show into a new direction. Something happening in your real life yeah. that was it wasn't real. Now, the show is pushing into a whole new direction again because there's something going on. I can't say what. I'm going to spoil it. You there's can spoil it. You can spoil it, Mark. I'm mine. That's amazing. And it's not real. And the guy has no idea. Think about that for a second. Something amazing happening in your life. It's part of your life. It's not real. Like that, that wow. kind of stuff is, it just pushes the format further, you know? And that, that's been, um, even things like we, you know, last season we created this, oh no, coming up this season in a few weeks, you'll see a brand new type of challenge we've never done before. We're all four of us are in the scene, creating a scene together. It again, pushes the format of the show further. It was a gentleman's pact we made, season one. We're like, if we run out of ideas, if we feel like we're not creating good content and the show's not advancing, we will stop the show. And um, I, I, I feel like we're still creating. I, see, I feel like the show's at its peak right now. It's, it's really hitting its stride. Last season was, I think, the best season we had. Oh, absolutely. I full well agree. And you, I love that year-long prank. I mean, I mean, I remember watching it and thinking, man, the amount of work that must have went into yeah. this. And the people, obviously, the entire cast knew about that. But the payoff for that, the reward makes it so worth it in the end. I yeah. mean, to look back and be, wow, I literally was fooled this entire time. As, as the seasons have progressed, you know, you're talking about expanding that boundary. Has the, uh, the line for challenges and punishments kind of exceeded what you initially thought in season one? Have you gone further? And obviously you have tattoos now and piercings and there's so much. Has that expanded since what you initially thought it would be in season one and two? Yes and no. Our boundaries are the same. And I think that's what makes the show special is that we are not pranksters. We are real guys with real limitations. We were raised by our parents to be, you know, gentlemen. We, we, we have the same uh, quandaries as we do in season one, the same limits. And we, just the fact, the fact that we're pushing those edges, we still will never cross those edges. That's what makes it likable. That's what makes the show endearing. Because one of our, our, our big problems with hidden camera shows always was you feel bad for the victim. In yeah. our show, we're the victim, so you can't feel bad. We're pu- we're willingly putting ourselves in this position, and it's at the hand. We're at the mercy of our best friends. Has there ever so, has, has there ever been the a point? Of, I never thought I would skydive. I never thought I would <laughs> swim with sharks. I'm damn sure. I never thought I'd get a tattoo. My mother 
my God, my mother forbid my sisters and I from ever getting tattoos. She said, if you get a tattoo, don't come home. No joke. So, so when she, um, she found out that we were getting tattoo, that we went to a tattoo parlor and she calls me that night. She goes, you didn't get a tattoo, did you? I said, no, ma. I'm a, I'm a 41 year old man. I'm lying to my mother. <laughs> no, ma, I didn't get a tattoo. She had no idea I had one. And it wasn't until um, that summer, I, you know, my, my parents have a 4th of July party. We went in the pool. She's like, what is that? <laughs> Oh my goodness. Has there ever been a time where there's been, I wouldn't say anger, but maybe just a little aggression after a punishment and what you've done to one of the guys and you don't talk for like 12 or 24 or 48 hours? I mean, Sal, <laughs> Sal when he got oh, that, what, that Jaden Smith tattoo? Ugh. Yeah, that's, uh, we, I can't say that. I can't say it. I can't oh, say come it. Come on, say yeah. it. All I'll say is this that may come back soon. To haunt one of us. So, I can't say anymore. I can't say anymore. Uh, it, what I'm, what can, I'm saying is this. Can you just say uh, t- I, TV show or movie? Where do we expect I it? I can't say a word anymore. Okay, okay. okay. I was yelling. Okay, I can't say a word. But the tattoo punishment may come back to haunt one of us. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. At some point in the future. Uh, what we've always said is that we want to tattoo Sal's face over Joe's face. <laughs> <laughs> As a punishment, which I think would be hilarious. Anyways, but... Uh, I will say in season one, there was the very first time we incorporated one of our family members into a challenge was uh, we did this like sensitivity in the workplace challenge and we had Sal's sister in the challenge yes. uh, and, and, and he was so furious at her that he wouldn't, he didn't talk to her for like a month after the challenge. <laughs> so, you know. And then you married her, right? Then I married her. <laughs> We, 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 so have the limitations of the show changed? I mean, I got married and I was dating a girl at the time and she got very angry at me. I came home from work. I came from work. I was like, babe, we have the perfect idea for the, the season finale punishment of the show. I'm going to legally marry Sal's sister. And she says to me, she goes, is marriage a joke to you? And I was like, oh, oh. I screwed up. I screwed up. I, I realized then that, you know, go figure. Women don't treat marriage as a joke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Men just, yeah, um, probably should have Googled that uh, prior. But, uh, it led to a several-hour fight. <laughs> my wedding. How, how, how bad? Like, my own girlfriend didn't come to my own wedding. I know. <laughs> just, just ridiculous. What started yeah. the push to kind of get Impractical Jokers on TV? I mean, way back 10, 12, 15 years ago. Yeah. Well, the guys and I, are, we're a comedy troupe, of course, called mm-hmm. the Tenderloins. We've yep. been around for a long, long time. Uh, people ask us, like, uh, how did it all happen? And we say we're, uh, we're an overnight 12-year success story. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, we, we, it took, we worked hard for a long, long time. We had no contacts in the business. We didn't have an uncle that worked for True TV. We didn't uh, have anything like that. Uh, we, we failed a lot, a lot for many, many years. We did a lot of live shows. We then transitioned to sketch comedy. And we got very fortunate that our sketch comedy on the Internet found an audience and um, and that led us to uh, let, that led to us directly getting a, an agent, uh, and that then I started pitching TV shows with that agent, and um, I got a job at a company called North South Productions, which is the company that makes Impractical Jokers, and um, and then the guys and I along the way had sold and we pitched and created a couple TV shows, shot pilots and got a series, but again this is all just from hard work and wanting to move into TV, and this is a funny story, but. Four weeks before we sold Impractical Jokers, the, the Tenderloins fell apart. Like, we were not no longer really a troop. We're like, maybe really? we should just call it quick. It's like, this is the, we've tried twice. It didn't work. Uh, our agent at the time told me that, I was too, that the guys and I were too old for TV. 
which is crazy. <laughs> and, uh, and you know, you, you get, you get told no so many times you start to believe it basically. And we said, you know what, let's try it one more time. Let's keep going. And uh, around the time I was working in development at the TV company, I, I had pitched them a number of shows. They hired me to just create TV shows for the company. And uh, I had grown up, I had grown in my career at North South to eventually becoming the senior vice president of development. So I'd sold a number of shows and was pitching a lot. And I got intel, uh, you know, from pitching networks that hidden camera shows was com- were coming back in a big way. Justin Bieber had re- mm-hmm. uh, relaunched Punked, and a number of the networks were greenlighting pilots in, in the hidden camera space. And networks were eager to hear pitches in that space, but they wanted something different and unique. As what's the new version of it? What's a new spin on the hidden camera format? So the guys and I got together, in, in Joe and I used to be roommates back then, the guys and I got together uh, at our apartment on Wall Street, and, uh, and I said, I, I think I can sell a hidden camera show. What is our version of a hidden camera show? So the four of us created the idea of this upside down hidden camera show where the jokes are on, the pranks are on us, not the public. It took away the, 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 the number one problem people have with a prank show. And, uh, and we, never, we never, truly don't even consider it a prank show. We consider it a hidden camera show yeah. where the joke's on us, you know? And, uh, and what we wanted to do was create a TV show that puts our friendship first, uh, our friendship on display and the things that we really do, it really it captures who we are together. And uh, so we shot the sales tape. Uh, I pitched it through my job at North South and that was it. And then it, 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 the idea, it was the right idea at the right time with the right chemistry between the four of us. And it just, it, it hit true TV recognized um, the, the, the specialness of it. Uh, and, uh, and we were very fortunate that they, that they bought the show and, and I can't believe we've gone the distance at this point. It's been yeah. a, what, a, what a wild run. What a crazy, amazing, successful wild run. Yeah. What, is the, what was the conversation like? You know, After all the times when you're saying you got turned down or you shot a pile and it didn't get picked up, did you guys come together and, and was it just like, man, like what the heck? What is wrong? Or what was the emotion that was, that was in the group at that point when you're getting told no? It's, uh, it's funny. It's funny. You react according to your character, you know. We all had different reactions to it. I, I, I'm the kind of person that I, I never believed I could not achieve something, you know. That I was very fortunate with the way my parents raised me. That uh, they, they, they taught my sisters and I to just shoot for it and go, go, go. And I, I never uh, believed I couldn't. That the guys and I together were not unstoppable. I, I felt like. I felt like the four of us had something special together. And this is, if you ask the guys, they'll, 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 they'll say that I, I've always had this, this um, overblown sense of our ability. Uh, <laughs> you got a, I, I Murray, you got a foolproof like, plan. Yeah, I guess so. From the beginning, I felt like there was something special. I mean, the guys are so amazingly talented. Like, Sal is the funniest, most talented person you'll ever meet. Joe is hysterically funny in a classical way. In, a, in, a, in, in the Three Stooges kind of way, in a Leslie Nielsen kind of way, in a Mel Brooks kind of way, you know? Q is a brilliant, brilliant writer and has an edge to him that, and to his performance that none of us have and gives the show, it really turns the, the show on a slant and an edge that, that we don't have otherwise. And I felt like there was always something very special about the four of us together. And um, I, I, I always believed we could achieve it. And... Uh, so we react differently. When people tell me no, it makes me – when we would pitch a TV show or to get turned down, we'd audition for something to get turned down, it would make me 
want to work that much harder to uh, honestly to prove them wrong, to, to, to show that we can achieve something. You know, we were told um, by several people in the know that uh, don't bother making a movie. It'll never happen. You'll never be able to get it off the ground, so on and so forth. And uh, and now the movie's happening. You know, yeah, we were told um, we were told not to tour. We were told uh, you should not be touring. You should focus on the TV show. You, you, why are you? Why are you spending time touring? And the tour has grown and grown and grown and become one of the most satisfying parts of our careers because when you film a hidden camera show, you have no idea how it's affecting people. Yeah. You don't get to meet the fans. And to be able to perform and see how it's affecting people in their lives is a blessing and it's a, it really is special. Every moment on stage, we're, lo- we're performers. We love performing. To, to see how it's affecting fans is is amazing to me. You know, So it's... um. I reacted that way. We all reacted differently. Uh, Joe, Joe was like, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna go back to my day job. This is, it's not working. Clearly, we all had day jobs back yeah. then. Sal was, Sal owned a bar. Q was a fireman for eight years. FDNY. <laughs> I was unemployed for most of my life. <laughs> and, uh, but then I worked at, in TV at North South because of our, our experience, you know, pitching shows. And uh, you know, so we were like, maybe we should just. We had an interesting opportunity when we first sold the TV show. MTV wanted the show, but they did not want us in it. Ooh. They wanted the idea of the show, and they wanted to cast. They wanted to make it a game show with new contestants every episode. And then True TV wanted the show, but wanted us in it. And uh, it was a a moment where you're like, you know what? We can stay in our regular lives and sell to MTV and let them run with it, and maybe the show works. And we are producers of a show, mm-hmm. and we, and we get to keep our regular jobs because we were pretty happy at that point. Or we can take a take a gamble, a huge gamble, and and try to be the stars of a TV show in our mid thirties. And uh, and I remember driving to Staten Island, and Q came out of the firehouse, and I was like, Q, I, I'm telling you, I really feel like this is the right idea. This is the right path. We should you know, let's try it one more time. Just you know, somebody believes in us again. Let's try to succeed at it one more time. And, uh, and, and he's like, all right, let's try it one more time. And we did it. And thank God we went that, show, that, that route, you know? Wow. I mean, that is just crazy to look back on. If, what, if, what if Q was like, no, I'm not, I'm not feeling it? Uh, I, it, it happened. We, 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 uh, when we sold the show to Spike TV, we had an offer from Fox as well. Fox wanted to do a pilot with us. And, uh, and I got outvoted uh, I threw <laughs> it by, by everybody, by our agents, by the guys. Because they thought, and I and I understand the logic. They thought that we had a better shot at going to series on Spike. It's a smaller network, yep. you know, much less competition. I totally get the logic. Um, but uh, but I was like, let's shoot for the top. Let's keep going for it. So I, I, it's entirely possible that 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 there's if you believe in uh, uh, the, you know, um, the multiverse, multiple you know parallel universes, there is a universe in which we went with MTV. And who knows? <laughs> maybe we're more famous now. Maybe we maybe the show tanked. I have no idea. Now, I got to ask, because I had read that Q was initially a fill-in for another person. Or is there, was there another no, member? No, not, that... not, not a fill-in. We're all close high school friends. The Tenderloins originally, when we created the Tenderloins in 1999, there was a fourth member of the group named Mike Baccio. Okay. Uh, a dear friend, still a dear, dear friend of ours. And uh, along, he performed with us along the way. He helped create the Tenderloins. And uh, along the way, uh, he got a killer job and has a lovely wife and child. And it just wasn't a uh, fit for him anymore. And uh, but Q performed with us throughout those years as okay. a guest performer in the Tenderloins. And Q went to high school with us. We've been Q was one of my closest friends in high school. And uh, and then when Mike stepped out of the troupe, 
very naturally came in. And we were moving into sketch comedy at that point anyway, which is heavily scripted, mm-hmm. and, uh, and that's Q's forte. So it was a very natural transition for Q into the troupe. So do you guys still talk with Mike, or how does Mike feel about all, <laughs> all the, all he's the success? Friends. He, he's one of our closest friends. I love him to death. Does he ever wish he didn't leave? I, I can't tell you what's in his heart, but uh, you know he's got he, he's got a wife, a, a, a beautiful baby. His 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 daughter was just on our show. Oh, we awesome! Put her in for now, which is great. And I, I have nothing except Terminator machine and a few plants in my apartment. So he's probably winning out. <laughs> well, I, he's found he's found love and success. <laughs> oh you know, my goodness! I, he still he still has a gorgeous mane of hair. Look at this. <laughs> Success varies, and depending on who you ask is certainly the case. (laughs) We're talking about all the years that it took to make Impractical Jokers become a reality, and now obviously you're on season seven and got the the movie coming out. And it's kind of the same way with your book, Awaken, your new book, which comes out this summer. It's a sci-fi thriller. You've had this for over a decade as well. That's right. The the story of my book is the craziest story of them all. This is – uh, Awakened is the name of the book, right? Yeah. It's a thriller. It takes place in the subways. It's very scary. It's uh, got a worldwide conspiracy built in. It's a great love story involved in it, too. Uh, there's killer stakes in it. It reads like the very best 13 episodes of the TV show 24. I wrote it as a TV series in book form, right? Mm-hmm. The idea was this. Like uh, 13, 14 years ago, I had this idea for a short story. And I told my friend about it. He goes, you know what? You should write that. I dare you to write it. So I wrote it. I sent it to him. He calls me up like 20 minutes later. He goes, this is, this is a book. You wrote a chapter of a book. You write the whole book around it. And I had a job at, the point, at that point where I worked from home. So I was like, you know what? I should. I should try to write, write the book. I spent a year of my life writing this book, researching it, interviewing people, rewriting and rewriting and rewriting it, and getting it into what I thought was a very fast-paced thriller. And uh, I, then I started trying to sell it. Like I said, the guys and I have no contacts in the business. We had no agent, no manager. I didn't know anybody in publishing. I had no connections. So I sent out the manuscript to publishers, to literary agents, and it literally got returned to me unopened (laughs) from every. And I I can take rejection. I really can. I can take rejection. If somebody reads it and says, you know what, this sucks, I can take it. No problem. Obviously, TV development is all about rejection. So I have a thick skin. But to be rejected without people reading it is so frustrating. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it really is. I'm like, God damn it. And, uh, and over the years, when you hear that so many times that it's not good, you start to internalize it. You really do. And you're mm-hmm. like, shit, maybe it's not good. Maybe it's, maybe it's, maybe it's just not good enough to be published, you know? And, uh, fast forward to last year, a year ago, uh, because of our amazing fan base and, and how, uh, how much our fans love what we do. I was like, you know what? I, I believe in this book. It still was really good. Let me send it to HarperCollins now. Sent it out to HarperCollins. They bought it a day later. They read it. They bought it a day later. And, uh, and then because of the fans and how many fans have pre-ordered the book, uh, they bought, bought the trilogy from me. Wow. And I, I pitched the idea for the trilogy. They bought the trilogy from me. And the whole point of Awakened is to sell the TV series, which is what I've always dreamed of, or the movie based on Awakened. So then I, I optioned the book to IDW Comics, which is a huge comic book yep. company, and uh, they have a huge graphic novel company, and we're pitching it, and we attached um, a killer showrunner, a killer writer to it, 
And we're going out this summer in, at the end of June and early July to pitch the TV show based on Awakened, you know, and, and then it's led to so many cool things. We, we were doing this huge book launch in June. I'm going to put the details out about that soon. The fans can come to and go through the Awakened experience. And I'll be at the end signing copies of the book. I'm doing a, a, a worldwide book signing tour that matches the Impractical Jokers tour. Wow. And you'll be able to meet me at our shows and, and I'll sign the book for you at the shows. Uh, it's like just so many cool things. And then I'm doing a standalone horror book harm that has, that's tangential to awaken, but in the same world of it, you know, in similar, in a similar world to it, but not connected to the book at all. And I want to make that into a movie and I want it to be a, a movie that I, that I produce as well. And I already talked to some, some, some friends of mine that are in the movie business now that, and they're, they're hot on it too. And it's like, it could lead to me making a movie version of this too. Wow. It's um, it, it's been a, a huge passion project of mine for for literally fifteen years, and it's so much of our lives is impractical jokers. So to have something like this that is separate from the TV show and a totally different creative outlet is very satisfying. And we're all doing that now too. We have to like Sal is doing tons of stand up comedy now, and he's so talented at it. Q is writing comic books now. He's so good at it. Joe has this huge – Joe's launching web series now. Yeah. He has this whole anti-bullying campaign too. And it's like we have all these side projects that add to the whole. And I think make Impractical Jokers better, honestly. Oh, 100% because, again, as you're talking about with Impractical Jokers getting into your own real lives, that's exactly what this is. People want to know more about you guys and the impact that you're having. And then you're able to kind of, as you're saying, branch out, still be together, but also have a greater impact separately. Yeah, and I think also the lesson there is what's valuable to me is that um, don't quit. Don't Mm -hmm. stop. Don't stop. Don't take no for an answer. Just don't stop. If you love it, keep doing it. I loved the book. I never, I never, never doubted that. You know, I I always believed that it was a good, good book, that that, that people would be excited by it, would love to read it. And I guess the lesson is just don't, and the same lesson with the Tenderloins, don't quit if you love it keep doing it and don't take no for an answer how much have you learned to embrace timing and how important timing is and sometimes when you want something to happen you're forcing it and you're saying oh this is this needs to happen and i have this plan and i have this plan instead of saying what's the timing of this how do we make it happen yeah i think that's a lot of it i think that's a lot of it we we the years ago the guys and i i'll tell a short story the guys and i got into a program called PSNBC, which I, I maybe still around, be around, and it stood. It, it was a program designed to cultivate new talent. Basically, uh, you get in, you audition for them. If they like you, they'll give you a showcase. You put up a show, and talent reps from different networks or from NBC will go there, or casting uh, execs too, will go there and see if you fit for other projects, right? And there was a gentleman that worked there that ran the program, and he got he he invited us into the program. We put up a show, we performed, and afterward. I asked him, I said, what did you think of the show? And he said to me, I did not understand what he said at the time. Now I understand it. He said, you guys are funny, but it's not time yet. I said, what do you mean? He goes, you haven't found your voice yet. The time's not right. He said, come back to me in your 30s. And I said, what? You're 22 (laughs) at the time. I was like, you're out of your mind, you know? And I didn't understand it. And, And now I understand it. The time wasn't right. He was dead on accurate the timing wasn't right we hadn't we hadn't lost enough yet we didn't we still am i allowed to curse yes we didn't have an edge yet we 
we didn't have the attitude of who gives a fuck. We want to do it because we love it and we love performing with each other and we just want to make each other laugh. We didn't have that edge yet. And you need that voice, that, that, that own voice that, you know, to, to, to succeed. You really do. You need to have the voice of who gives an F. I, I want to do this. I love doing it. Why can't I do it? And, uh, and he was dead on accurate. He was totally right. We hadn't, the timing was not right. We needed to find, and some people unfortunately give up before the timing's right, or they never are able to match timing with the right idea, and it just doesn't sync up. You know, we were very fortunate, and that's I think where a little bit, a little bit of luck comes in too, that you're able to keep the, the the machine going until all the parts lined up just the right way, and then you succeed. So, what kept you guys going? What was your driving force? What was your motivation? And what still is your motivation as you go forward into all these projects? Uh, the four, the, we keep each other going. I think when, I think that's a big part of it. We keep each other balanced. We keep each other driven. We are, we keep, we give each other reality checks constantly. We are, uh, we are our biggest proponents and opponents at the same time. We are, uh, we are the voice that keeps things real, that keeps things going. Uh, and everything we, we, we operate the tenderloins in a democracy, which is both frustrating <laughs> and really, really important because uh, it keeps everything grounded and it keeps any one of us from spiraling or just, you know, losing his losing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it really is important the way that the, the four of us operate. I think it keeps us grounded in reality. And um, I think we keep each other going. I think we are each other's inspiration. And that's the driving force for the for the for jokers is just I don't think about what's going to be funny to the audience. I think about just what's going to make Sal, Joe and Q laugh and what's <laughs> going to. That's it. And, and I know that if, if Sal's laughing or Joey's laughing, other people are going to laugh because because they're the funniest guys I know. And if they're the funniest guys I know, uh, then what they laugh at is going to make other people going to c- connect with. So I think that's it. I think that's it. And I think um, I, I, I just love to create new material. I just love to create things, businesses, franchises, things that I think people will love. And I just, I don't know. I, 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 and I love that I get to do it with my best friends. That's so satisfying to me. It really is. I can't imagine. I have great respect for stand-up comics. I don't know how they do it. Uh, you know, uh, on the road alone performing. I, 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 I don't know how they do it. I, I'm on the road with my best friends. I'm, I'm working every day of my life with my best friends, yeah. and that is so much fun to do. What do you mean by reality checks? Is that looking at each other and, and kind of just saying, hey, the fame is here, but we can't always give in to the fame? Uh, very little is different in our lives. That, that, that's a lot of it. Very little is different. It really is. I have a, you know, a, a bigger apartment, a little bit. Um, you know, but while making the show, Joe and I lived together for, for – for five years, wow. even while season one and two, we were we were roommates in a seven hundred square foot apartment. You know, wow. It, it, it's like talk about reality check. Your, your your best friends are the ones that keep you grounded the most. You know, so I think that's that's been important. You know, we are we keep each other in check, and and if and we keep the show in check. The show has to stay true to what it is. The show can't. Ever you, I, I, like I said before, the show has to advance and push the format. But it ha- the, the 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 DNA of the show, we talk in TV. You talk about the DNA of the show a lot, you know. In TV development, you know, you talk about what is the DNA of the show. And a show that does not have good DNA, it, it, it will will fail always. 
whether it fails in development or in production, or at some point in the process, the show will fall apart if the DNA is not good. The, the juju, if you will, yeah. as they say, the, the secret sauce of the show needs to be good. And, and that's a lot of what I mean by keeping the show in check. The DNA needs to still be good. And, and that's where good friends keep it in, in line. Our crew is like our family. Usually we spend the most of our time with them. They are truly our family. The DNA is good. And it keeps the show moving forward. You do a lot of things. We talked about it throughout this entire show. We talked about a lot of things. Obviously, starting with the tenderloins and into comedy and a member of the Impractical Jokers. And you have your book coming out, Awaken, and that's now a trilogy. And then another horror that you're doing. And all these things we're so excited for. In 20 years, 25, 30 years, even maybe past that, how do you want to be remembered? What do you want people to do? When people say... When people say James Murray and they're like, oh, he's blank, fill in that sentence. I, I, I don't know about that. I, I'll say for a group, uh, as a group rather than an individual. But I, I hope that – and it occurs to us that we're, 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 we're about to hit 200 episodes mm-hmm. this uh, uh, next year. And we're hitting 200 episodes, uh, I think, at the beginning of next year. Yep. And it occurs to me, like, like I, I think I have an appreciation for this more than the other guys because I've worked – for in TV development for so long, but it's so rare anymore for that to happen. It truly is. Most TV shows last once, never get past the pilot stage. Yeah. And if they do, they don't last more than a few episodes and certainly not more than a season or two. It just doesn't happen. I've sold a fair amount of shows at North South and you know, they won't gotten canceled there for a season or two. <laughs> and I've sold a lot of pilots that never go to series. It's just, it's the way the world, especially now that, TV is so fragmented and streaming is so pre- uh, prevalent now. It just ha- – and, and people spend so much of their time on their phones and on their tablets. And it's just TV is not what it used to be. It's so hard to get a show to run – to go the distance. So to have a show go 200 episodes and more and then launch a, TV, uh, a series, it occurs to the four of us that there's an entire generation of kids that are being raised – on with the backdrop of our show. Yes. You know, like when I grew up, I mean, it was, it was the Zucker brothers seeing Naked Gun, the airplane, airplane movies. It was Mel Brooks. It was Richard Pryor. It, this is the, the background of our lives. This is the, the soundtrack of our lives view. This is what inspired our comedy, you know, and to see like a whole generation of kids now that our show is the backdrop of their lives is, I, I can't, I, it is truly – that's what's going to – that's our legacy. That really is our legacy. And it's, um, it does not uh, escape us that we are – uh, very, we're very fortunate to have created something that has gone the distance, that is becoming part of families' lives. And it's the, the grandparents and the parents and the kids watch it. And this whole generation of kids, this is their favorite show. And that, that is um, – that's the legacy. That's it. That's what – I just hope that we make – the world a better place overall we've brought more joy into the world than not and um there's so much division honestly in the world there's so mm-hmm. much division that to come home and to turn on the tv like you used to do back in the day and just turn on something that makes you laugh for 22 minutes is that's the legacy that's that's the dream that hopefully we've added more good to the world than not that's amazing i love that attitude and it's just like you're saying, literally that, and that's what I try to do with this show is just 
put positivity into the world. The world needs positivity. Yep. In the news so much right now, and you go on Twitter, and it's bash, 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 and headline after headline that's so negative, and just you're exactly right in everything that you're doing that is just injecting positivity in the world and giving people a 22-minute break from all the negativity and saying, hey, take a second, laugh. Everything is going to be okay. Just be kind to one another. Have a little humor. Make fun of each other. It's all going to work out. And I know you talked about seeing that even when you were on your drive home in the snowstorm uh, there on the East Coast and you saw that. But I want to issue you know, this question to you of what advice do you have for other people who are those kids? Who are people who are watching you and are maybe going through their first trial by fire and their first time where they failed? What advice do you have to them to keep going, to keep reaching after their dreams? Yeah, that was that was that was it. I said it before, just don't take no for an answer. If you love it, do it. Don't stop. If you love it, keep doing it. That's what it comes down to. Ultimately, you have one shot in life, right? You have one shot. So all we have is time. That's it. And it could end tomorrow. You know, it just if if if. If that's the last moment, make it the best moment. Make it the, you know, just don't stop. If you love doing it, keep doing it. That's the best advice. That's it. I think that's the secret of life, ultimately. Just Absolutely. keep doing it if you love it. Absolutely. Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on. <laughs> yeah, Seriously, this has been amazing. Now, do you have a, a minute or two? I always like to finish off with a fun game and just like some rapid fire questions. We obviously talk about a lot of serious stuff, but just some fun questions. You got a couple minutes? Let's do it. All right, we're going to bring up, uh, we always try to have some, have some fun music underneath. And, you know, we're talking about Impractical Jokers, talking about all the seasons that are going on. You're very stylish. It's a big point of the show. Your style, your wooden bow ties, everything. If you could give sure. one of the other guys tips on style, who would it be and what would you give them? <laughs> you're going to give me trouble, man. Come on. <laughs> Come on, you're going to be in big trouble here. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Oh, gosh. Well, I mean, Q should go to a store that sells clothing of some kind. I think his clothes are still from circa 1993. I, I think he's wearing the same clothes from high school. He's staying grounded. He's staying grounded. That's exactly what we're what we're talking about. Who do you know? Who do you know the most about? Do you think like deep dark secrets on the show? <laughs> You're gonna give me trouble. Come on. Uh, I, I, equally, but uh, okay. probably Joe. <laughs> okay. What is the worst punishment, in your opinion, that you've gone through or that one of the other guys have gone through? Uh, I, gosh, it, it aired two weeks ago. They, 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 some, I, last summer, I went for allergy testing. The guy somehow got a hold of my allergy test results. <laughs> and they made me, you know, that, 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 you like Chippendales. There's that Thunder Down Under, they call it. It's this yep. Australian, you know, male review. Yeah. These women come. 300 women screaming as these guys strip and they made me they, they right before i go on stage they had dr frank our friend uh inject my body with what i'm most allergic to so i have to go on and strip in front of these women as my body broke out in every std on the planet it looked it was, it was so embarrassing man that and um uh, and uh, the interview with danica mckellar winnie cooper oh yeah we out. We had that picture. We had that picture up for our viewers here about uh, 15 minutes ago. It was so good. Finally, a little spoiler spoiler for you. I get my revenge coming up in a few weeks on Impractical Jokers season seven. Oh, I love this. 
Returns. I, I love this. I love this. How many more? Finally, how many more seasons do you think of Impractical Jokers out there? You just renewed for season eight. What's the future hold besides the movie and the TV show? Uh, that, that's up to the audience. As long as you guys keep watching it and loving the show, we'll keep doing it. I, 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 it would be pretty wild to get through season ten. That'd be great. Awesome, awesome. Again, thank you so much. If you guys want to be able to follow Murr, you can follow him at James S. Murray on Twitter, at The Real Murr on Instagram. I'm Michael Klaus. You can follow me at The Only MC on Instagram and Twitter. Guys, I really hope you enjoyed this. Such amazing inspiration and motivation just to be able to take for your life of no matter if you get told no and you hit that wall, keep pushing, keep going. Realize that timing is a real thing. And it might not be your time now, but in five or ten years, it's going to be your time. And if you don't quit, you're going to get to those points, and you're going to make it. And please, just tell other friends about the show. Subscribe, comment, like, tweet about it. Just share that positivity in the world, just like what they do on Impractical Jokers, all about injecting positivity. Guys, thank you so much for joining us here on the Popcorn Talk Network. We're here every Monday. We'll see you next time. From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit PopcornTalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals. 